Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. In today's world, businesses have to work harder than ever to meet consumer demand and expectations. Precedents have been set in terms of quick shipping turnarounds, low-cost commodities, and holiday sales that require a large, large backstock of, of inventory. Uh, if you work with specialty units that require special packaging or regulation compliance, this task becomes even more challenging. Uh, it's critical that you work with organizations you can trust and rely on to uphold your business's quality service and, of course, your reputation. Fortunately for you, Work is here to help you and your business thrive in this dynamic, fast-paced warehousing, distribution, and fulfillment environment. And our guest here today is going to be giving us some insight into what to look for in a reliable partner. First things first, Jeff, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Let them know who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you a bit better. Sure. So my name is Jeff Blaylock. Um, I work with uh, W.O. Gore and Associates Incorporated. been here many, many years. I am focused on the medical products division, and, and Gore is a, a very diverse company with multiple industries, but I am I'm 100% focused in the medical products division. My role internally is global logistics operations process champion. I think this equivalent of some sort of a VP and logistics operations externally, but our, our culture doesn't, we don't kind of practice titles, so it's um, a little bit different. I do have a heavy focus on my role with our finished goods that we manufacture in multiple locations or in the, here in the U.S. Most of it's made in the U.S., but it's a heavy focus on our finished goods distribution, which are um, human implantable medical devices that are regulated by the FDA and, and multiple healthcare administration government agencies around the world. Thanks for that, Jeff, and, and welcome to the podcast. So today... Uh, we're talking about third-party logistics services, or 3PLs, and how you can build a successful partnership with a 3PL. So first question is, what data should a company look at internally to see what they need from a 3PL? I think before you start that search, that your internal collaboration with the different cross-functional teams about what's important to them and what kind of numbers and are they looking for and the complexities around replenishing our 3PL with inventory and, and then what those expectations will be to manage the shipments and taking orders and the dynamics of the various orders. And when I go down that path, it's trying to understand our domestic market versus our international market, at least in our industry, where we, we use our 3PL as a global distribution and do a lot of replenishment. So we want to understand the type of data that we're going to be moving around the world or items and the data behind it for expected volumes for internal domestically and then and then supplying our other locations around the world internationally. So it, it makes for a challenging type of data search to ensure that we're looking for the right 3PL. And so you have to account for the throughput of the volume and then the replenishment process of bringing the returns back in. 
Okay, so once we've determined our uh, current internal needs, what about our future needs? How can uh, we make sure that we're including the future growth of our business when, when looking for and, and partnering with a 3PL? When you're looking for the new 3PL, especially if you're going to transition to one, I would be very hesitant to go into a facility that is already at about, you know, say 90% capacity with a multi-client facility so that there's um, limited room that you might be able to to grow. And then if the, the other piece of that is if they anticipate moving from a current facility to a new facility because they're experiencing this type of growth, moving from even within a 3PL from one building to another can be very disruptive. And there's a lot of planning that goes into that to make sure you you don't have a disruption, at least at the customer facing level, that you, your orders would maintain continuity. So, I mean, I'm looking for their space in the building and then being as forthright with, with our information and our anticipated growth that we would have capacity or they would have capacity to grow with us over a course of time. Okay, so I think you've touched on this a bit already, but maybe you have some additional commentary to share. Uh, let's just say we've found a few potential 3PL partners who we th- we believe we can handle our needs and wants. Uh, a question is, what specific metrics would be helpful when narrowing down that short list of 3PL partners? Well, what I would really do from a from a KPI perspective, you're starting with a new one, is I would want to understand, especially in our industry, or I guess in the industry, what do they track as as performance just right out of the gate? What do they have at the the facility level, you know, or that that type of health? Say it's a healthcare platform. What are they tracking? What are they looking for for their performance? And you know, on time shipments is another critical one. And on time's got many factors built into it, but um, it's important that they're these are key things that they're they're already tracking. Um, accuracy levels for us, especially getting the orders right, because we don't want to have the wrong sizes or the wrong products show up, especially at the patient level for cases like that. That would be you know, very challenging to try to explain out why our 3PL didn't get the right products to the right case, you know, for, from a patient perspective. And this is probably true. And there's different tolerances for different industries, but um, from a medical device perspective, we got some some pretty high cost devices that are high cost to us and they have a high revenue. And so the inventory accuracy and damage and loss rate within a facility and shrinkage, there's always shrinkage you have to account for, but we're looking for that minimal amount of of shrinkage that they're not just losing devices and they have good controls in system in their systems controls to maintain good inventory accuracy. This is great. And being in the medical device industry, are there any specific things that you'd need to look out for uh, in particular that others may not know about? Absolutely. So from a medical device perspective, being regulated by FDA, there's a certain amount of ISO certifications that that we would make as an absolute requirement. And those ISO certifications that would qualify them in the beginning to even, you know, hold, store, pick, pack, and ship Uh, medical devices. There's just controls that have to be in in place. Where it gets more complex in terms of regulations and processes 
is if, if you're going to do any sort of value-added service where you're adding information to your your product, you know, such as an IFU or some sort of other labels that are that are customer or country specific that have to be on products. And so now you start to that ISO certificate becomes even more critical that they have the system capabilities to be able to do more than just store, pick, pack, and ship. Um, the labeling and manufacturing steps around medical devices um, gets can get pretty dicey if you don't have that dialed in and your controls in place to to you know for those value added services. So yeah, it makes a a search a little bit different. I've done this in international markets as well, and so all countries have got different nuances of requirements for medical devices. In addition, the same type of um, capability and licensing, call it, you know, for doing other certain sorts of manufacturing. Could be light manufacturing, changing the device itself, but some of the labeling might be added or, or altered. But every country, you would still have to have the right regulatory inputs to make sure that what you're looking for is supported, this facility supported by whatever government regulations are true to form in that country. Yeah, I can see how incredibly important it would be to uh, practice perfect compliance in the medical products industry. Moving forward, though, let's touch on implementation. Let's say, for example, that we've gone through all the steps and we've partnered with a 3PL. How can we make sure that requirements are actually being met? Or, or, or in other words, are there any actions we can take to ensure a smooth start to the relationship? And I think the critical time is spending that time with your internal resources and with your new partner and their critical resources to start to build that end-to-end processing and clarity around what the expectations are. And many times that does play into the contracting, but you also want to make sure that you're clear and you've, you've set up that time and support to be there on site and walking through it. What we typically do is we would have almost like a, a three to four day in the end working event where we're we've already vetted out the requirements from the RFP but we're we're going through and we're talking through the you know that deep dive details of of what does that really mean what's the details to make that happen and then we're you know moving forward at the project management level you know you're these are all the factors that you're juggling to ensure that IT's on time operations is on time the quality system and any audits that needs to be performed is all on time. So everybody's working somewhat in parallel, you know, towards towards a timeline. So we've gone through some of the more proactive steps that we can take to ensure a working relationship with our 3PL. What about issues that come up once you've already entered a partnership? Um, what are what are some of the more common challenges that you've seen between a company and a 3PL, and, and how do you resolve them? So I've had an experience where we've gone through the RFP, we made the selection, we did the face-to-face end-to-end. And you get into the, the relationship and they I have a term of year, they've oversold and under-delivered. You find that there's bigger holes in their systems than what was understood. And then it kind of forced you to go back and you challenge yourself to go back in retrospect to say, well, did we have our requirements dialed in, you know, going into the relationship? But We've had a couple of very painful 3PL experiences over the years where the errors that they make, in spite of understanding it, the errors that they make are 
so customer facing that you have to um, spend an excessive amount of time trying to correct that and correct individual um, errors that you know their overall process and, and controls just wasn't quite adequate. And but you don't discover that until you really get into the deep dive and the volume of, of your business to where these these holes pop up because the volume was they didn't quite understand it. So that and that goes back to your your week long event, you know, lessons learned. Mm-hmm. We the, the one bad experience or we've had a couple of them, but one extremely bad one, it made for, for the next three <laughs> PL when we moved, um, we were a lot more detailed focus and spent a lot more time to make sure that everything is understood. And, and it did make for a better go live and transition. So it was, yeah, very lessons learned and, and make sure we spend the right amount of time. I think travel is another one that comes up in mind. Typically, at least in our model, you're, we're trying to make sure we're inclusive of our transportation requirements, which are parcel related. And they don't necessarily—they're not right here in our backyard. So we've committed a lot of our budget and time to travel to make sure that during a critical startup period, that you spend the right amount of time there on site, partnering with them to make sure it was clear. And then, you know, if if they're able to commit the same thing, then it, it makes for a better, longer term improvement what i have seen is um where they call it arrogance we're like no we got this this is our industry it's like no you don't this is you got to understand the medical side a little bit more and what it's not just a box you know you have to get this box into a hospital and be correct because there's a there's actually a patient at the end of that shipment that's going to need that so there's a little more to it and, and trying to get that mindset is critical. Hey, Jeff, we so appreciate you sharing these issues um, that you've seen experienced before. Is there anything I didn't ask you um, that you think is worth sharing? I think the one thing that is becoming more critical is a couple things. COVID exposed everybody to uh, critical labor challenges and how do you keep your business continuity and your market moving when everybody was challenged with COVID absenteeism, resources short of hand, and and how to do that. So I think that we're spending a lot more time talking about continuity plans now to make sure that both the 3PL and, and ourselves as the primary you know, the customer working on those kind of continuity plans to toughen up our resilience, to you know be able to withstand a little more some of these, dis, these supply chain disruptions. Another that we had, we've had a couple of our critical suppliers have been cyber attacked. And so this is another aspect of of IT and information technology security and what are companies doing to keep that firewall closed to those types of attacks. It's They're not brand new, but they're becoming more apparent with different types of cyber attacks around the world and with different types of industries and different types of suppliers. So it seems to be another factor that we're really taking into a lot more consideration. 
Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for meeting with us today and, and speaking with us and sharing your insights. I know our audience will absolutely benefit from your insights. And thank you for listening to this uh, installment of MHI Cast featuring Jeff Blaylock about what to consider when looking for a 3PL partner. You can find more information on logistics trends and benchmarks to help you with your logistics journey at work.org, W-E-R-C dot org. Also, consider joining work members just like Jeff at Work's 2023 conference. More information is available at work.org 2023. If you'd like to see uh, solutions like these in action, make plans to attend ProMat 2023. It happens in Chicago next March. You can learn more and register to attend at promatshow.com. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.